Generation Z. It is all about Generation Z now. I can tell you right now that my goal this morning is to not only educate you on Generation Z, but to inspire you on how you can get involved in this new generation, what God is doing in this generation, and what the enemy is going to try to do to this generation. I can tell you right now, after working with teenagers for 11 years, the enemy is going to do whatever he possibly can to chain teenagers, Generation Z, to their ankles, to their wrists, and to keep them trapped. But I can also tell you right now that God is going to use this generation to spark global revivals. And it is going to be in our lifetime, and we're going to see it. And it's going to be really, really cool. I'm going to give you some uh, introductory facts about Generation Z. Obviously, the satirical reference to Generation Z being a zombie generation. It's kind of true. I've seen kids walk into traffic. They're like, I'm looking for a Pokestop. I'm like, you're going to get hit by a bus. You need to be careful about your Pokestops because you might like go to heaven sooner. So I'm trying to keep teenagers off the streets, like literally out of traffic. I'm like, look up once in a while to make, hey, what's up, Jamie? Good to see you, man. He's an old student. He's back. Good to see you, bro. Everyone give Jamie a round of applause. Love you, brother. Okay, so I'm going to give you some introductory facts about Gen Z. They're going to make you feel old because you probably are. I'm so sorry. Okay, okay, these people weren't alive when Generation Z was born. And Generation Z is 1995 to 2010. Some say 97, we'll stick with 95. 95 to 2010. These people weren't alive when Gen Z was born. This includes Diana, uh, Princess Diana. Princess Diana was not alive when Gen Z was born. This includes Notorious B.I.G., right? He was not alive when Gen Z was born. And Mother Teresa was not alive when Gen Z was born. The majority of Gen Z was born post 9-11, so most Gen Z has not seen the Twin Towers stand. Let that set in for a second. Most of Generation Z born post 2001 have not ever seen the Twin Towers stand. Anyone feel old yet? Good, that was my goal. Okay, so check this out. Among those who were not alive were those people. These are the things that have always existed since Generation Z has been alive. This is going to be crazy. Like, ready? Okay. So, hybrid automobiles have always been mass produced since Gen Z has been alive. Right? Okay. Google has always existed since Gen Z has been alive. Wi-Fi has always been there since Gen Z has been alive. Get this. The therapeutic use of marijuana has been legal in a variety of states since Gen Z has been alive. These are just normal things for Gen Z. Normal character, like normal upbringing things. They're like, yeah, Wi-Fi. It's like the air. It's there, right? It's just, it's, it's just always been there for me, right? Gen Z has probably never licked a postage stamp. Ever. They probably do not know what snail mail means. Like snail mail? Like is that like an app? Can I download that? Right? Okay, so this is Generation Z. I want you to forget about millennials. We're boring. We've got it either figured out or we don't. And everyone's just kind of like moving on, right? So it's literally, I want to save you time. Stop using the word millennial. Start thinking Generation Z. Why the Z? Not just the zombie reference, but Z as in the last letter of the alphabet. 
because sociologists are starting to realize that this is likely the last generation we will ever speak of because the cultural trends are so fast now and the speed of change in culture is so quick. After this generation, it will go so fast, nothing will stick long enough to make it matter. There won't be any characteristic or quality marker or identifying marker for new generations because it will change so quickly, it's obsolete. Let, let that sink in for a second. This is likely the last generation we will ever qualify with a term, Generation Z. They make up 25.9% of the U.S. population. That's more than millennials. That's more than Gen X. That's more than baby boomers. In 2020, Generation Z will constitute 40% of all consumers. All you business people out there probably already know this. Start marketing to Generation Z. Okay, the baby boomers are going to buy your stuff anyways. All right? Start thinking Generation Z. Their goods are not goods. Their goods are experiences. They purchase experiences, not things. Keep that in mind, you business peoples. Okay? So in previous generations, generations would have influence on American culture. Generation Z will constitute American culture by 2020. This generation is incredible. They are passionate. They are hungry to be a part of something that matters, and they are lost. And the enemy is doing whatever he can to chain them to the ground. So what I want to do this morning is I want to teach you and educate you on five, five defining characteristics of Generation Z. I'm going to show you how the enemy is going to try to use those characteristics against them, and I'm going to show you how God is going to release them of those prisons and use them to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the morning. I do pray that this morning's message would inspire all of us to get involved in Generation Z's lives. God, I pray that your power would accompany us as we engage in your word and talk about this new generation that's about to to lead the world. We love you so much, Lord, and we're so grateful for you, Jesus, and we're grateful for you on the cross. We're grateful for your resurrection and life. We love you. Amen. The five defining characteristics of Gen Z. You guys ready? This is going to be some fun. We're going to have some fun. Generation Z, they are recession-marked. What I mean by recession-marked is that they have been raised in a world that is post 9-11. That is that the millennials that we experienced, like the peace of the 90s, Gen Z didn't experience that. Generation Z grew up post 9-11, therefore homeland security is a household understanding term. They understand that, that the world is in this chaotic kind of fight on global terror kind of a thing, like the other sides of the world, and here are unstable economies, unstable governments. These are all just very like normal things for Gen Z. Okay? They understand that this is, we, I was raised in this, I know about this, the quick access to information. You know, they, they understood that we've gone through a recession in 2000 and again in 2008. It's no wonder, it's no wonder why movies like Divergent and Hunger Games, Hunger Games and Divergent have connected with teenagers so well because they depict this incredible story of a chaotic world that's unstable in so many ways, but then the teenagers are like left on their own to like fend for themselves. 
And it just connects with gener- Generation Z. This is not a political message by any stretch of the phrase, but we saw a 25.5% increase of, of interest in rhetoric like Bernie Sanders' rhetoric or socialism, the idea of socialism, period. Again, this is not political. I don't care about that at all. What I'm telling you are facts and realities. We saw Generation Z care about those kinds of things because they are the generation that wants to share, be inclusive, but highly individualized. I mean, it's kind of a paradox. And Generation Z wants individualism so bad, but together. I know it, it hurts your brain. But that is Generation Z, okay? Simply put, Generation Z is deeply concerned about the present. They are deeply, deeply concerned about the present, and they care immensely about what's going on in the world. Defining characteristic number two, they are Wi-Fi enabled, Duh. 1960, only armies, governments, very large organizations operated computers in the 70s. Small organizations began to acquire them. In the 80s, hobbyists, or what I like to call mega nerds, started to uh, assemble these things in their garages. And they're like, this is hobby. I'm like, that looks like work. And so they started doing this. In the 90s, uh, pretty much like businesses all had these. In, in, In 2000, most of the civilized world had access to the internet. If millennials we're digital natives, Generation Z is the generation that has the internet in their pocket. This has changed the whole world, right? A device the size of a playing card has more technology in it than all the computers in the lunar lander did that landed on the moon. And teenagers walk around with that in their pocket. This is a morally neutral device. It can be used for good or evil. I'm just telling you, it's a fact. It's the reality of Generation Z. They have been raised, and it's a unique characteristic of their generation. They do not know life apart from being connected. This is where Generation Z finds much of their identity. This is where the liability comes in. Generation Z's mood rises and falls on the increase or decrease of their Instagram likes. Not, I'm not hitting on any of them. I'm just giving you realities. Okay? or the Snapchat stories viewed or shared. Their mood rises and falls on whether or not those are viewed or not viewed. The language they speak is a digital one. The social landscape is a digital one. This is Generation Z. The mega liability that comes in is that this is the first generation in history that prefers first to go to their device with help to solve their life's problems instead of going to a person to help solve life's problems. If you need proof for that, hop online and look at any um, Generation Z's posts. They post what they think, they post what they feel online. If you're a parent of a teenager, you're like, my kid never talks. Yeah, they do. They just talk digitally. They put it online. I see it all the time. Uh, if they're having a bad day, the world knows. If they're having a great day, the world knows. Generation Z communicates digitally. More on that later. Third characteristic is that they are multiracial. In 2006, there was a record number of births in the United States. 49% of those were Hispanic. There has been a 400% increase in black-white marriages, a 1,000% increase in Asian-American marriages in the last 30 years. Multiracial children are the fastest growing, and the prettiest, by the way, right? Multiracial children are the fastest growing number of youth in the nation. Generation Z is the most diverse generation in history. They really, really care about diversity. 
And they really, really care about inclusion, inclusion and sharing and diversity. What's crazy about Gen Z is if they were to, f- to visit their friends that they have like online, like Instagram or Facebook, I don't, they don't really use Facebook, but Facebook, some do, and then like, they would have to fly across the Atlantic to visit most of their friends. It's a multiracial world. Generation Z is a multiracial world. It's good. Right <laughs> in the right direction there. It's really good, but it's a reality. It's a defining characteristic of Generation Z. This fourth one is a heartbreaker, but it's true, and we have to talk about it. Generation Z, fourth character, characteristic, is that they are sexually fluid. Let me qualify what I mean by this. Generation Z is very outspoken in their support for LGBT rights and issues. They have grown up, watch this, they've grown up under Bruce Jenner becoming Caitlyn Jenner publicly. They've seen that. They've seen it as normal, okay? They've grown up under stars like Miley Cyrus, outspoken, saying, I don't relate to a boy or a girl. Gender is a preference, not a biological characteristic. These are just normal facts for Generation Z. Generation Z's view of sexuality is one that should be freed from any and all restrictions, Generation Z uh, believes that they are able to freely engage sexually with whomever, however, whenever they want. We, we know that, that the enemy can and does and will continue to use that against them a lot. More on that one a little bit later. The fifth and final characteristic of Generation Z, and this one is the most important one, is that they are post-Christian. What I mean is the most defining characteristic of Gen Z is that they are the first generation raised in a post-Christian context. Therefore, they are the first post-Christian generation. Although 78% say they believe in God, only 41% attend weekly church services, and this is the kick to the gut. Only 8% would say that a faith leader is a mentor or role model. The enemy is going to do whatever it takes to use these characteristics to chain them, lock them in a prison until they are in despair and their soul dries up. Let me give you some examples of how we've seen this kind of come to the surface in cultural trends. Take, for example, 13 Reasons Why. This drama is very, very sensitive. If you have a teenager who's watching this drama, I would just recommend and encourage you to have a discussion with your teenager about it so they know exactly what they're watching. The, the plot is a, a teenage girl takes her life. She leaves a box with 13 clues or 13 reasons why. And the boy she had a crush on finds the box and finds the clues and follows them. You can see how if a vulnerable teenage girl were to watch that drama, it could be grossly misunderstood. Right? Grossly misunderstood. Please beware of what your teenagers are viewing online. Please. They are a Netflix generation. They have access to all of it. I read a story recently about a teenage boy who, t- who tried to take his own life several times because he could not achieve the perfect selfie. This is Generation Z. I heard a radio story on, lo- on the radio last week of a mom who lost a legal battle in Minnesota. She lost a legal battle against the state to try and stop her son from having a gender reassignment, and he was a minor. This is Generation Z. The enemy is going to do whatever it takes to lock them in a prison, okay? But, but, 
God. God is intervening. And I've seen it over and over and over again. And he is going to unleash this generation to reach a world for Christ. And it's going to be awesome. So what do they need? What does Generation Z need? They need the very same thing that Gen X needed, that millennials needed, that the baby boomers needed. I think the one before that is the greatest generation, the World War II generation. They need the same thing that adults need. They need freedom in Christ. They need freedom. I'm going to share a story with you out of Acts chapter 12. If you could please open up your Bible to Acts chapter 12. I'm going to read you a story about Peter and his miraculous escape from prison. And I'm going to relate it to teenagers and relate it to Generation C and show you what I believe God is doing in this generation and how you as the church can partner with that. So this is Acts chapter 12. You can read along with me or follow on the screen. Either is an option. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone on the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they, when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and everything that Jewish people were hoping would happen. Wow. Now, although the majority of Generation Z will not end up in a physical prison, some will, just like previous generations did, Although the majority of generations will not end up in a physical prison, their prisons are very different. They are very emotional and very spiritual prisons. After interacting with teenagers now for, like I said, my 11th year, I've picked up on a couple of these prisons. And they're really no different than what adults experience. The first prison is the prison of past regrets. Generation Z, like any other generation, is one decision away from the rest of their lives. They, like any other generation, can make a decision and regret it later. They're a teenager. As a matter of fact, the prefrontal cortex is developed enough for a teenager to ace a calculus test, but the amygdala back here that processes emotion is not developed enough so that night they could drive home drunk or sleep and get get pregnant. They're They're the perfect, teenagers are the perfect adult child. I can ace a calculus test and make a terrible decision the same night. 
And what the enemy does with that reality is he stuffs teenagers and adults into these prisons. This particular one is the prison of past regrets. And the enemy says, look what you did. Look what you did. Sit down in that prison. I'm going to lock the door. Sit down. Stay. You don't deserve to be out of that prison. I have, this is so important. I'm actually going to come down to tell you this. I have a message for teenagers and adults alike that are stuck in this prison of past regrets. What God did for Peter in this passage, Jesus does for us on the cross. He flings that prison door wide open for us to walk out of it. If you are stuck in a prison of past regrets, why sit in a cell when the prison door is flung wide open? Walk out of it. That mercy and that freedom is yours. That freedom is yours. And teenagers need that and adults need that. And instead, we're content to sit in a prison thinking the door cell is locked, but God has shaken it free. The chains have fallen off. You are free to walk out at any moment. Take it. The second prison is the, second, uh, the, the, the prison of future fears. The prison of future fears is, is very sneaky. The prison of future fears happens in teenagers and Generation Z's life like this. Generation Z is deeply afraid of the future. They're afraid of commitment, so they don't do much. They're afraid of offending, so they don't say much. Generation Z is afraid of being alone, and so they join organizations or causes that have no eternal significance, or they sleep with a friend casually. Generation Z is so terrified of being forgotten, they'll bring a gun to school. Generation Z is so afraid of being forgotten that they'll post nudes online. Generation Z is so afraid of being forgotten, they'll sometimes take their own life. I have a message for teenagers and adults alike that are stuck in the prison of future fears. What God did for Peter in this story, Jesus does for us on the cross. He has flung that prison door wide open. Freedom is yours. Why sit in a cell when you could walk right out of it? Walk out of it. That mercy is yours. So what can we do? What can we do as the church to support and unleash Generation Z the way God intends to unleash them? Well, quite simply and pragmatically, we can get involved. We can get involved. Uh, I'm going I'm to give you uh, the singular trait that I have seen in working with teenagers for this long and behalf of teenagers for this long. I've seen one common trait among teenagers. They make an adult a reference. Let me tell you what I mean. I'm going to boast for a second. I could boast completely and totally in Christ. But I'm going to read you this to give you an example of what I'm making reference to. I got this text message from a mom whose son was applying for something that doesn't really matter, but an application. He put this down on his reference. One of the people in my life that has influenced me greatly is my youth pastor, Luke. He has helped me through the hardest times in my life and guided me through the mazes of good and bad. I don't know what I would do without him. He is like family to me. His Christian values are strong and he is determined to guide me through life with God at my shoulder, holding my hand the whole way. My team that are wearing these shirts get these kinds of texts all the time. 
They get them all the time. One spiritually influential adult is the X factor. Teenagers need exactly what you needed and what I needed when we were 15. We needed one spiritually influential adult who would usher us in and facilitate the freedom that comes from Christ in our lives. We need that. They need that. 